0: Hello. I'm Alexa Pereira and you're listening to my podcast Chemistry 101. Today we're going to be talking about three separate topics regarding to chemistry, of course. We're going to go a little into detail about each of the topics and try and enhance our understanding of each of them. The first concept that we're going to be discussing is the periodic table. Yay Yay is exactly correct. The periodic table is super interesting, but also super confusing. It is generally described as broken into two sections, metals and non-metals, but when you look closer at the periodic table, each section has a label that goes further in depth in terms of description of what each section represents. Starting on the far left, we have the alkaline metals. Then, next over is the alkaline earth metals. Then, in the center, is the transition metals. Next is the metalloids. Then the non metals. Then the halogens. And finally, the noble gases. Now we're going to talk a little bit about simple reactions. When designing simple reactions from elements on the periodic table, you will result in one of the binary compounds either ionic or covalent. An ionic compound is created by a nonmetal and a metal. When a metal reacts with a nonmetal, they then form an ionic bond, and the compound is called an ionic compound. For example, the formation of sodium chloride is an ionic compound. Sodium is a metal, whereas chlorine is a nonmetal. Sodium metal reacts with chlorine to form an ionic compound, sodium chloride. A covalent bond is formed from two nonmetals reacting with one another. The formation of a covalent bond is the result of atoms sharing some electrons. The bond is created by the overlapping of two atomic orbitals. A covalent bond consists of the mutual sharing of one or more pairs of electrons between two atoms. Water is an example of a covalent bond. Water consists of a covalent bond containing hydrogen and oxygen bonding together to make H2O. In this atomic molecule two hydrogen atoms share their single electrons with the oxygen atom which shares its own two electrons in return this is an example of a covalent bond which is created because of the higher electronegativity of oxygen moving on from ionic and covalent compounds we're now going to talk about stoichiometry Yes, stoichiometry does sound like a very scary thing. It was one of the hardest concepts for me to grasp, but once I understood it, it was extremely easy and I couldn't understand why I struggled with it before. The easiest way to visualize this concept would be to picture three circles in a straight line with a line connecting the first circle to the second and the second to the third. The circle to the far left is labeled particle island, the middle circle is labeled mole island, and the third circle to the far right is labeled mass island. When moving from particle island to mole island with a substance, you would use the molar mass of your substance, and vice versa. When moving from mole island to mass island, you would use Avogadro's number, which is 6.02 times 10 to the 23rd, and vice versa. And lastly, when traveling from mole to mole, you would use the molar ratio once again. Now, let's look at an example for stoichiometry. For this example of stoichiometry, here is the question. Nitrogen gas and hydrogen are combined to form ammonia. What mass of ammonia can be produced from a 10 gram sample of nitrogen combined with an excess of oxygen? Yes, as complicated as that sounds, it's not that hard. First, we must write out a balanced chemical equation for the process. In this case, it would be N2 plus 3H2 yields 2NH3. Next, we must determine what is known and what we want to find. So, it is known that we have 10 grams of N2 and we want to find out the amount of grams of NH3. Now, we must create a sort of roadmap for the process. We can write out grams of N2 into moles of N2, which then we will transfer into moles of NH3, which will then go into grams of NH3. Then we find the molar mass of the substances, which would be N2 equals 2 times 14.01 equals. grams per mole of N2, and the molar mass for NH3 would equal 1 times 14.01 plus 3 times 1.01 equals 17.04 grams per mole of NH3. Next, you would follow up with the conversion factors for each change of unit. So, that would look like 10 grams N2 times 1 mole of N2 over 28.02 grams of N2 times 2 moles of NH3 over 1 mole of NH2 times 17.04 grams of NH3 over one mole of NH3, and then you calculate the value and cancel the units equaling 12.16 grams of NH3. And that, my friends, is stoichiometry. Now we're going to move on to our third and final concept that we are diving into in this episode. This last concept is going to be about three gas laws the first gas law that we're going to take a look at is Boyle's law Boyle's law is an experimental gas law that describes how the pressure of a gas tends to increase as the volume of the container decreases In simpler words, it states that the pressure of gas is proportional to the volume of the environment which that gas is in. The second gas law that I'd like to talk to you about is Charles' law. Charles' law is an experimental gas law that describes how gases tend to expand when heated. In other words, when the pressure on a sample of a dry gas is held constant, the Kelvin temperature and the volume will be in direct proportion. In simpler words, it states that gas expands when it's heated. The third and final gas law that I would like to tell you about is Avogadro's law. Avogadro's law is an experimental gas law relating the volume of a gas to the amount of substance of gas present. The law is a specific case of the ideal gas law. A modern statement would be Avogadro's law states that, quote, equal volumes of all gases at the same temperature and pressure have the same number of molecules. In simpler words, the law compares the volume of gas to the amount of gas present. Thank you so much for listening to my Chemistry 101 podcast. I hope it was informative and helped you understand some of these concepts more than you already did. Finally, there are just a few more things that I would like to talk about. First off, my growth this year. I believe that I took my learnings into my own hand more than ever before by reaching out for more help and putting a substantial amount of effort into learning that I never really needed to put in before because I'd always just sit in the classroom and listen to the teacher and I'd remember it and do great. I may not have finished this year with an A, but I am proud of what I have because I know I worked as hard as I possibly could have to attempt to comprehend everything that I was being taught. Next off, I'd like to talk about a few positives of online learning. One of the greatest positives for me was being able to manage my own time. I really enjoyed the fact that I could explore and decide where and when I worked best. If I worked best at night or outside or in the living room rather than having scheduled times for me to get everything done and have to like sit in a classroom for an hour Because that sometimes would always drive me crazy. So I really liked being able to just manage my own time and when and where I got things done. Another positive for me was that my own individual responsibility increased. I feel like in the beginning of this, it was really hard for me to prioritize classes that I was less interested in. Or that I was struggling in because I just not want to do them obviously because I was struggling or I didn't like them that much, but my responsibility over time became a lot better with getting all of my work done and just pushing through it regardless of how I felt towards the class. I just got everything that I needed to get done on time, so I feel like I'm a lot more responsible than I was when I was in school. Um, Another positive would be I feel like I've improved a lot in terms of like sleeping and taking care of myself. Um, my sleep schedule now is better than it was during school time. I go to bed like at a reasonable hour every single night and I wake up in the morning at a good time before 10 o'clock usually and I, I just feel like that's really good for me and I feel so much better when I like, get enough sleep and I'm able to get more done. Lastly, I think that a huge positive for me too is being able to use my resources, whether my resources be online or like a book that I have in my closet somewhere, past notes that I've kept from past classes, or just simply being able to ask my mom or a family friend for help in any of my work that I needed help with. Um, lastly, some negatives that I experienced from switching to online learning from in the classroom learning. I personally am more of a conversational learner, so it was definitely hard for me to adapt to this new style of learning where I wasn't in person conversating about the topic that I was learning, but I feel that I did a really good job at adapting to that and becoming pretty acquainted to this new style. It also took me a while to get into a constant schedule of getting work done and figuring out the best times of day and locations where I was most productive, but I once again feel like I did a pretty good job, and from at least two months ago to now, I've been more productive than I ever have in terms of just getting everything done and on time and those were the only real negatives for me and I I feel as if I, as a learner, did a really good job at overcoming those negatives. And finally, I just wanted to say... Thank you, Pav, for being such a good teacher and helping me stay afloat in your class and believing in me despite all of my struggles. Your class was always one of my favorites of the day. It was always so much fun and I'm definitely going to miss it. I hope you have a great summer and I hope to see you next year in school.